the Soviet game sensation, Tetris. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Joe? Feels... Uh, no, back Joe. by popular demand. Wow. No one demands. Although, back. yeah, Joe, you've had a spotty appearance uh, as of late, not necessarily like consecutive losing That's streaks. true. That's true. I was, I will, because I was back for Wheel of Fortune. Yes. And then uh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you missed 720. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do plan on uh, on catching up on my backlog. Great. A little tease there right at the start. Um, maybe maybe that's something just for the Patreon who can say, remember, you can join us, uh, uh, patreon.com slash nostalgia. And we'll talk to you soon. Uh, wait, wait, no, no, no. We have to do an episode. episode. Oh, oh, oh. Episode. I, yeah, I yeah, forgot how yeah. it works. Right, right, right. It's been a little bit. Uh, okay, so this is Tetris. And, you know, there's a lot you could say about a game like Tetris. But I just want to make it clear, we're not talking about, like, every early version of Tetris or every NES version of Tetris. We're just talking about the officially licensed one by Nintendo. They're, they are completely different games. It's not like some of the other Tengen games where it's like they released an unlicensed version under their own brand. And then they also brought the same exact game as a licensed version when they later worked out a deal with Nintendo. No, in this uh, game, Tetris... As if the, the history of Tetris wasn't uh, spotty enough, they also made their own version of Tetris, Tengen Tetris, that honestly is a completely different game, even in the way it looks, controls, and the modes of Tetris, which is, I don't know, for you guys, that might be surprising to hear. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the, the one that I'm used to is the like mode A, but uh, what are the other ones? Well, I'll get into that a little later on the other, on the other games. I know now. I, no, you you have to you'll have to wait. But they're you know for the fans they can just skip the chapter markers to the point where we start talking about the sequels and spinoffs if they really want it. M my point being that there's so many other versions of Tetris on the NES. We're just talking about the Nintendo one here, and you know it's weird that kind of Nintendo said no, we're gonna um, you know license a version of Tetris and release it officially under our own name. They go through all of these like hoops to put the you know, seal of quality on the Nintendo games, whether you're first party or third party, they're guaranteeing a certain kind of quality and they make sure that, um, you know, it's a company that is very careful. They choose what does and doesn't get localized. They tell people like, you got to remove the blood <laughs> on, on this game or the nudity on this game. And then the Famicom version has it just fine. So maybe it's a Nintendo of America thing, but they rejected several NES versions of Tetris for being unlicensed, and yet the version they publish has the words Soviet sensation right on the back <laughs> of the box. I mean, kind of makes the whole thing silly, right? That they're like, you know, not dodging the, the weird Soviet Union angle that's happening in the 80s. I mean, I always, I thought it was funny because like, this game is released like, only months away from the Soviet Union, like, starting to crumble. <laughs> it's like, uh, did did they know something? What was in the news? I think that's how we got a hold of it. Like they were starting to crumble, and then we were able to like send our <laughs> our agents, our yeah, American to agents extract to, Tetris to, yeah, to to get the game, the source code of Tetris. <laughs> that's a good point because Tetris was a game that uh, I think first started in 1984, and yet, um, not to say that Tetris hasn't advanced uh, into the year 2022. It has changed, uh, you know, quite a lot. The the basic game and strategy is something that is just timeless, right? Uh, you don't feel the age on this one between 1984 and 1989 versus some of the other uh, arcade games that we've seen ported over to the NES. A lot of times we'll see like, oh, this game came to arcades in 81, and yeah, they made an NES version of it, so it's not a one-to-one -one clone, but it still kind of looks old, feels old, didn't add anything new to it. That's not necessarily the case here with Tetris. Yeah, if anything, I would say that if you were to play this for the first time, you had never heard of Tetris, it's almost like it cycled back around to feeling new again. Because this is what mobile gaming, like, this is like the vast majority of what mobile gaming is like. You know, it's these, it's these quick puzzle games that have this, like, oddly, like, cerebral effect on a person because it's, like, satisfying. 
You know, it feels very much like a Candy Crush, which I know is not a necessarily oh, like man. recent reference, but like I don't play mobile games, so like you, whatever you is, probably is made somebody angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what I mean. You know, yeah. I and mean, I'm not saying that the the Candy Crush quality or or game design is up there with Tetris, but it's like it's in that. It feels like it's got that Candy Crush is taking a taking a lot of pages out of Tetris's book. And I don't know if you guys. Um either remember this or uh have ever heard this but there was like for a, a brief history of tetris in the beginning of things when it was known as a soviet game a lot of people were convinced that it was actually a soviet spying device like that somehow the <laughs> cartridge was giving off information back to the soviet union or because it was on the computer game they could access files on your computer you know things like that still happen today um and happen for real uh, I suppose, but this there was this was never proven, and uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, there's never been anything that said Tetris was created solely as a spying device. Like, did they think it was connected to the internet? Yeah, that's. I mean, I know that <laughs> the, you know their networks exist in like the late '80s, but it wouldn't have been ubiquitous enough for. I don't know. It, this like, it's not like there's going to be <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> like you need to be like hardwired, or does someone like come into the house and and take <laughs> the <laughs> cartridge? Yeah, they have to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> But you have to imagine the people creating those kinds of storylines also just imagine it to be more like a movie sci-fi right. thing where, like, it's just explained because we can't understand it. You know, somehow the data is getting to them. Fair. <laughs> Sputnik's picking up the signal. Also worth mentioning that I love Tetris, not necessarily NES Tetris. I'm going to try to be very um, unbiased here and leave the modern Tetris games out of it. But modern Tetris is something that I play a lot of, whether it's on a mobile device or whether it's on, um, you know, just like you can type in Tetris uh, onto Google and get like a hundred different results for different websites where you can play Tetris on. I find Tetris to be a really fun, satisfying game, similar to, you know, a lot of times we're talking about how like Pac-Man is like mowing your lawn. And I don't know, Tetris clearing those blocks, you know, maybe even more satisfying, right? There's something about clearing lines that were at one point untidy but then just kind of vanish is you know feels good yeah uh, i'm not particularly good at any form of tetris like once it gets fast enough then my my eyes just don't see anymore um <laughs> but i'll always enjoy a, a a nice hearty game of tetris in whatever form it takes i actually i really enjoyed playing it for the podcast this NES version is one of those rare games I sometimes talk about where uh, I actually played this as a kid, this exact version, um, I mean, moderately frequently, or at least it was like one of the one of the games in our in our library of NES games at home. And uh, and I never liked it as a kid. But I mean, I think that part of that might just be because I was a kid and I just like didn't I was like, I don't want to do this like geometry uh, like, you know, it, it might have been it, it might have been a more recent thing that I actually started to enjoy Tetris because, uh, yeah, as a kid, I don't think I was very into it. I was not really looking forward to uh, to playing it for the episode. And then I started playing it. I was like, oh, my God, I totally get it. It sounds weird because I'm sure everybody who would listen to this episode would be familiar with Tetris, but I'm going to explain the uh, the basic overview of how to play Tetris, only to then talk about the concept itself. You know, nowadays, like, Tetris has been around long enough that most people just pick it up and go, but I'm interested in what you guys were saying there, where this isn't necessarily checkers in, in the, or, you know, other board games that have been around forever that, uh, you know, you just kind of learn at a young age. Tetris is something that can, by either difficulty or by the weirdness of the game and the way that the blocks stack and the type of blocks that you get, not necessarily the most accessible type of puzzle game. So first, here we go. Here's the, here's my overview. Okay. Dif different shaped blocks fall down from the top of the screen. It's your job to stack those blocks on top of each other by rotating and guiding them into the proper position. In order to remove the blocks from the screen, you have to fill up an entire line with those blocks. Take caution, though, as only the lines you completely fill disappear. The rest remain and continue to inch closer and closer to the top until the game is over. Wow, 
that if, if I <laughs> that that <laughs> could ahead. have been in the manual for this game, like that that that's a real like NES manual sounding description, right? And yet it's not inherently clear if you are just like not playing the game, right? That sounds that sounds very weird. Like, wait, what's happening to the blocks? Why are only some blocks going away? Um, you know, I would like you guys to talk a little bit about that because you were saying that as kids, this was this was not appealing to you. Well, I was going to say the only thing I would add, unless I missed it in that description, is that you you want one consecutive horizontal row with a with a block in every in every space, and that yes. row will disappear. And and if you want to get real clear with it, you have to specify that it's not just shapes, it's arrangements of four blocks that one might call a tetronimo. So, like, you're not just stacking triangles and rhombuses here. Uh, that that might have been partially unclear. But, I mean, if it, to answer your real question of, like, why it, it wasn't a thing that I was into as a kid, um, where I get it now is, like, I just wasn't a puzzle guy as a kid i guess like i um i understood it and when it was at the the slowest levels like i could i could clear a couple blocks and but i wasn't like playing with any strategy i was just like oh that kind of looks like it fits there and then it didn't or i'm i'm not playing well enough to get uh the uh like the, the actual tetrises which is very satisfying i wasn't playing in a very satisfying way I, I would say roughly the same thing. I mean, I, I mean, because I think I liked puzzles, but I, yeah, wasn't good at this one, and especially because uh, I think what I didn't like and still, you know, still gives me a little bit of anxiety, you know, fun anxiety, I guess, uh, is uh, funxiety. Yeah, is the is the like kind of race against the clock type things in video games, especially where it's like the higher you get, the higher your stack of blocks gets, the less time you have to think about where to place something. And, you know, when I'm playing right now, I mean, I played with a bu- through a bunch of different modes and stuff just to test it out. But, w- but the times where I was really just playing for fun, I'm playing pretty comfortably on, like, speed level zero or one. <laughs> like, like, I tried some of the other ones and I did, like, okay on some of the medium level ones. But, like, normally I'm, like, I'm just satisfied figuring it out as it's falling. But when it starts to get, like, stressful, I, I, I lose it a little bit. Uh, as far as lose my, uh, my streak, not, like, lose my mind. Joe, that's I think that is something that everybody experiences with the speed of Tetris. It's definitely part of the hook that there will come a point where arguably no human can um, can outmatch the speed of which the Tetris blocks fall. I know that um, recently in the NES uh, Tetris speedrunning community, they've hit like a new level of like level maybe 31 or something like that, which is just ridiculous to say out loud. But there will the game will still continue to count up beyond that and reach speeds that uh, you just can't move the D-pad <laughs> fast enough at, at that point. Um, but there's also a, a certain stickiness to these blocks, right? They're, once they fall into a place that could be considered a landing position, that's it. yeah, that's it. There is no more like, you know, in, in modern Tetris, you get a little more wiggle room after that to, to kind of keep rotating it or uh, move it around a little longer. Here, it just falls and you're done. And I think... Um, that's the scary part. Yeah, that's a question where I'm. I want to ask you, as a more uh, a veteran Tetris player, is that just the nature of the old, the, the older generations, or is it just is it the NES version specifically? No, that's the nature of just all older versions of Tetris, I and uh, I I can't say it's a, exactly around this time, but um, some point in Tetris, there was also the ability added to hold a piece. Um, maybe not the piece that you needed at that moment. You could hold one piece, but then you must take the next piece. And around that same time, they also started to give a little more float to the uh, to the blocks and make it so this way, even if it feels like it might be in the landing position, you could still turn it a little bit. And then from that, we got the ability to do T spins and other fa- you know other fancy Tetris moves. Um, those things came a lot later. A T-spin is when, you know that, um, that well, they're all four blocks, but the one that is, looks like uh, closest to a pyramid, right? Yeah, or T, yeah. Um, you can spin that so that it falls into a spot in a, in a Tetris board where there is a... You're kind of like uh, hooking really under. You're hooking, yeah, under, hooking under, under. Yeah, hooking under, right. Yeah. 
So impossible to actually just place it there on its own. You have to actually use the rotate feature and the game registers it as something that kind of snaps into place and it makes a very satisfying snap sound and the game itself <laughs> refers to it as a T-spin. It's not just something, uh, it's not a nickname fans have given it. Yeah, okay. that that's what I was like expecting. And then when that stickiness, like that, that was when I first realized that like, oh, not all Tetrises are created equal. This, I mean, like there's still... Like you can still kind of slide if if you're if you're matching your D pad movement with the uh, like an L block um, uh, touching the block below it. Like you can still sort of slide under things, but you can't you can't rotate under anything. Right. Well, I also noticed that there is like I mean, obviously, I guess, but like I, I hadn't thought of the significance of this, but that there is a rotation point that is set on each block where it's like. Like the 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 straight lines are going to rotate from the center, which seems obvious, but that means that you couldn't ever be too close to the edge vertically. And if you want, you would never want to do this anyways. But if you wanted to rotate it horizontally, you'd have to move away from the edge to do that. And that's a bad example, but like like another example is like something that's a little more uh, more asymmetrical that like you might want to you might want to flip over, but you can't because. You can't turn it horizontal because you're too close to the edge. So you got like move Where, it away. Whereas in a more modern Tetris game, I believe, like just from what I guess my muscle memory thought existed, it would just move your piece. Yeah, it would just like, push you like out. Push like you out. The wall. Yeah, yeah. Right, which is true. It does do that. Um, but there, it's not like there's zero quality of life. Uh, even in this version of Tetris, I I would argue. The ability to rotate from both directions is something that, like, a bad developer wouldn't have considered. You know, like, you would have had to hit the rotate button four times to get back to the original position, whereas here, both the A and B button uh, rotate both clockwise and counterclockwise, so this way, uh, especially at higher speeds, you know, which direction you start your rotation in really does matter because you might not be able to make a full rotation before the block lands into its place. But what about the distribution of each type of block? Uh, you know, Sean, we keep talking about modern Tetris and we said we wouldn't, but a lot of the modern games, even some of the more like competitive style ones, make sure that you get every kind of block uniquely before you ever get um, another block. And that's not true in this version. In this version, they go as far as to give you a statistics uh, panel where you can see like where the distribution is happening and being like, huh, it felt like I got a lot of those T-shaped blocks and you could just look over at the statistics and be like, yeah, because I did. I got I got seven <laughs> more than any other kind of block. I also think it's there just to like call out complainers like, oh, I didn't, I never got enough of the uh, the straight lines and it's like, no, you got thirteen of those and all. It's like it was it was just there as a bit of a we know what we're doing. Yeah, and I assume that it's all RNG, right? It's not I would those think statistics so. like affect what might come next. So I imagine it's like playing like roulette and looking at the looking at like the 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 recent and like it doesn't really mean anything. Right? It's just showing oh that's what happened, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't expect, oh I haven't gotten a uh you know, I haven't gotten a long one in a while, must be coming up next. It's actually, I think, determined by where you place the previous block. So you'll always, the next block is always displayed. So this way you can prepare if you're, if you're that kind of Tetris player, if you have the ability to look at what's coming next and think ahead. That block is always guaranteed to be that block. But that block, the next block, is determined by where you placed the block, two blocks before it. So it's, so you could, um, learn how that works and then sort of place because you know like if you place on the left and the block after next will no be... i doubt it okay. i doubt that like because i think it's just like way too complex and it's probably like a unique seed for based on when okay. you started the game or something so that, that's you know? just how it pulls data to determine the next one not so much like it could be a tool to be used to learn the game right no okay. no one has ever successfully manipulated it so that it's just the um four blocks in a row 
Uh, what are, what are we calling these blocks? Should we give them nicknames? Is that the tall block? Is that the line block? Uh, okay, li- there's line, square, L, other C L. T. Yeah. Oh, yeah. S- and others. Yeah, S, Z. And- <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Great. So we'll just keep using these interchangeably. Yeah. And surely the audience will follow along. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of thought for this version of Tetris, right, since it is a little more rigid and it is a little more punishing, it was fine that the distribution wasn't even, right? That you could kind of tell that the uh, line blocks, even the game knows that they're very important. And they were going to be something that, at least in my experience, I got less frequently than the other blocks. Uh, rightfully so, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure if I was like imagining it because of how of how much of a pain in the ass they were. But like I felt like I was getting the Z slash S blocks a lot. And those are like, I mean, I never know what to do with <laughs> like once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's the perfect spot for it. But half the time it's like there's always going to be something sticking out. Yeah, I mean, I I actually didn't know that it in more modern games that it did try and equalize things. So I I always thought that in any Tetris, it, you're going to get a random thing or at least or, or even uh artificially making the symmetrical blocks harder to find. Um, so I, I guess I, I always thought it was this way. So I, I didn't think it was too different. If we could get in a little bit of the strategy, right? Uh, I was even looking on game FAQs here and they have for NES Tetris, like a few different strategies laid out. Um, the most common one, I think everybody, uh, at least tries at some point is the Tetris strategy where you just build all your blocks, uh, um, except for leaving one hole on either the left or right completely open so that when you do get the straight line you can drop it right in and then you get an immediate tetris and keep trying to do that and that works out well for a lot of players until the speed either increases or they get that one block that they were hoping they didn't get and now it screws up the beautiful like straight lines that they've created um guys did you do this tetris strategy yeah i i try and it works maybe five percent of the time uh, but like wh- I was watching other players, um, because Tetris just has that hypnotic effect sometimes. Um, and I saw that there were, there are some players that like, if they find that there's no perfect place for it, like they'll just find a spot that will at least clear like one row. But in doing that, you would think, oh, that it's going to like make a, an obstacle. So I can't get to my open spaces below that. Um, but they find a way that like that just it opens it opens it up again. I don't know if if I'm making sense here. Uh, that they know how to fail well so that their future turns are like minimally affected, uh, minimally affected. Yeah, I I think ultimately the whole game of Tetris, like no matter what strategy you choose from, right? Like you could choose to build from the outside and place and then place inside to get like blocks that land neatly inside i I don't do that but you could do that um no matter what you wind up doing the player who's the most successful is just the one who um stacks the blocks the prettiest right um who doesn't like just you know get the z block and then be like all right well i'll turn this um so this way it blocks off this entire section and now i have nothing i have to wait until this whole thing is completely cleared before i can get back to it uh that's more of like a thing you do in in a panic situation not something that would be encouraged um you know even thinking about uh you could do that with the square blocks the square blocks can really screw you over sometimes if you don't have two empty blocks on top of a stack neatly next to each other like if you only have um one space, one space, one space, right? It's like, if there's nowhere to put it, you are going to block off a large chunk. So it's about trying to undo your own mistakes faster uh, than the game giving you more blocks that you don't necessarily want. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I tried the uh, Tetris strategy as well. I think just because naturally that's just like, I feel like that's just where everybody ends up in, when you're like early on trying to learn Tetris. You're like, oh, well, th- I'll just try and... Uh try and use these useful long blocks to to clear out as much as I can. But um another thing that that I noticed that uh that I'm doing and maybe this is just like something that's like once I got better at Tetris this wouldn't be as much of a an issue for me. But I'm noticing I almost have to think um the opposite of what you would normally think as far as uh like planning ahead. 
So a lot of times I will I will see something a block okay, this fits perfectly over here on the left. But the left is a little higher than the right, but like I'm planning ahead, I'm gonna make this like a perfectly neat um set of blocks so I so when I when I get there eventually I can clear that and like I'll worry about the stuff on this on the on the lower end on the right and like clear that stuff down to keep me away from the top. And I'm doing that as opposed to thinking like what will immediately keep me safe. And I feel like normally like that's the kind of thing that uh, you're used to like getting rewarded for is like thinking ahead and not just like not not just thinking of what's going to keep you safe in the moment. But I screwed myself dozens of times by trying to like by trying to like making that stack too high. Like yeah, just, by like yeah. by like being tempted by like oh this is the perfect spot and it'll make a big Tetris later once mm-hmm. I get there. But then I can never get there because I'm not just protecting myself in the immediate even if it's not perfect, even if it just gets me a couple rows and and leaves me with maybe a couple of shitty like gaps. Uh it it's this weird balance that I have to try. And you know, I I'm assuming like once you're really good at Tetris you don't have to worry about that as much because you're you're only you're doing both. But like for me, it's like this weird balance of like, do I want to plan ahead or do like should I should I work in the now and, and keep myself alive for one step longer? Like that's the most important thing. Um, to like, just I found it interesting that I had to kind of think about it in, in in that way and like make those sacrifices. Yeah, and I think especially with NES Tetris more than any other version of Tetris I've played, I found myself because I I use the Tetris strategy too. I found myself getting into undesirable situations a lot faster than I expected. Like the speed wasn't even necessarily the problem. It was just that the way that I'm used to building out these things and the blocks I was receiving just made it to Sean's point. Like sometimes you do just have to accept that you're not just going to continue to get back to back to back Tetrises and that you just kind of have to put this guy over here for now, get rid of him as quick as you can, and then go back to building your Tetris strategy. Uh, I feel like, you know, there is there is kind of like the your your head is your own worst enemy here if you try to be stubborn and be like, nope, I'm just gonna wait for that straight line block. Uh, he's if I could just wait till I get him, I'll so- that'll solve all my problems. It's <laughs> it's like yeah, you don't know when the next time that's showing up is. Yeah, and then it it'll also I don't know it's I think it's partially um playing scared, but I think it's also playing like a little compulsive, like at a certain point. I just don't want to see anything down there. So I'll just keep taking these like low scoring. Uh, I'll, I'll just keep clearing that bottom row over and over just because I'm, maybe I'm getting to the point with the speed that I just, I don't want to deal with Tetris. I just want to have, have an empty, have an empty field. Um, you know, Sean, in, in modern Tetris, that's called an all clear. And that's actually worth some additional points. Oh. Um, but what if you never really get too high? Well, it's only worth, um, you know, it's like similar to Tetris and then back to back Tetris, back to back Tetris is technically worth more points, but not back to back to back. Like there's like a cap on the kinds of points you can get. So they don't encourage it, but it's more of like, if you do happen to clear off every single block, it's an all clear and you get like a nice little bonus, but you would technically score more points from doing the crazier things that the game offers in modern Tetris, like, you know, um, the T-spins and the back-to-back Tetrises. We should probably talk about the music for this game, too. Uh, it's not just the NES version that has this famous music, but um, there's three tunes to choose from, and the most obvious one is that uh, arrangement of Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy from the <laughs> Nutcracker Suite that, you know, people... I feel like more people hum that and think of Tetris than they do of the Nutcracker Suite at this point, right? See, I forgot that this was the song. As soon as I heard it, it, it came back to me. But I was thinking of a different song that I associate with Tetris. And, and maybe it's from a different version of Tetris or like an earlier version. But that's I'm going to try and hum it here. So bear with me here. But that's that like. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's what, that's the real Tetris song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But that's not what this that's song is, right? Here. It's yeah. 
Yeah, right. I must. But I do remember this now from my childhood, and I guess just another song I just know from pop culture or something. I'm sure I played it at, at one point during this podcast episode as the NES version, but the one that we hear is the you know, it's like Russian music in general, right? Is just like associated with um with Tetris. But the other two songs in this too are songs that I wasn't necessarily familiar with, but because I've heard the first arrangement so many times, I actually chose uh music uh two and three instead, just to just to hear what they were. And apparently they're not even like they're like custom Nintendo like songs that are meant to sound traditional Russian. Wow. Like they're not like just another ripoff of a composer's music, I I I, I believe. Yeah, I don't even remember that this the second or third choice. Like when I was listening to those, like those don't even ring a bell to me. Um I yeah, remember them sounding one. kind of inappropriate. Like not like not yeah. bad, but they just didn't feel like <laughs> explicit. Tetris. Explicit yeah. content. Work. It was explicit. There was swearing in them. <laughs> and also to have a little Nintendo flair, um, when you complete the uh the game B mode uh, the B-type game, sorry. Uh, when you complete that, you are greeted to a bunch of Nintendo characters. Now, we'll get into the, the B-type game thing, but I, I thought it was important just to talk about the, the one Nintendo touch that Nintendo put on their own, uh, their own version of Tetris here. These Nintendo characters don't look like the Nintendo characters that I'm familiar with. Like, maybe Samus looks like the closest, uh, to what I was expecting, but Mario and Luigi have, like, weird proportions. I've never seen this version of Bowser ever again, <laughs> either before or after this game. Link doesn't look like the Zelda 2 Link that they clearly could have just put into this game. Why Why do you think that these characters look so strange? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, Mario and Luigi, they look like they're like, they're down on their luck. They're like curmudgeons now. Yeah, they don't even look like, they're supposed to be like jumping up and down for joy. And I guess Luigi is kind of doing like a jig or something. Like he's holding on to his waist and yeah, shaking his legs Russian out. Thing, but yeah. yeah, but I don't know. Mario looks kind of pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be. Well, this these, game. these are these, these, these are the Soviet versions of these characters. Like they're, they're much less happy go lucky because it's Soviet Russia. I'm just saying, if anything, this is, this feels like the unlicensed part of the game <laughs> <laughs> in a completely Nintendo licensed game. Of course. Uh, also maybe the first, nod that bowser isn't evil you know nowadays he's in like you can racism him in mario kart or you can uh you know he like he he's just playing along in mario party he's just being funny um or in super mario rpg he actually joins your crew it's like nowadays it's just established that bowser is um playing the role of antagonist but is more you know he's also getting together with them for tennis uh, <laughs> and stuff. He's not necessarily inherently evil. This might have been the earliest example of him just like, yep, uh, I'm just here playing musical instruments with everybody else. Uh, just, you know, really happy to see you doing well, not not causing any havoc. Or maybe he's just trying to show them up. You know, like, I play whatever it is that I play better than you. So it's more adversarial mm, yeah. still. He is alone. They They made sure yeah. not to put anybody near him. So maybe, yeah, maybe he does smell at the very least. <laughs> Which is, you know, a villainous uh, tactic. It's a villainous trait. Yeah, yeah so. it almost looks like, because Mario and Luigi don't have any instruments either. Maybe he stole it from them. That's why Mario's so pissed. Huh. I, give, I, I believe we could create a whole kind of, um, you know, backstory for each of these characters <laughs> since they're clearly not the Nintendo versions of themselves. But also, you know, there's that, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the castle, but that, you know, that Russian castle that, that's also featured Kremlin. on... Is that what it is? I thought that was the Kremlin. Oh, no, it's no, St. Yeah. Basil's Cathedral. There you go. Great. <laughs> Much better. Uh, <laughs> Same thing. We're learning in real time here, folks. Uh, anyway, the uh, you know, I just think like having that alongside Nintendo characters is very interesting considering we never saw like Donkey Kong with the Empire State Building, even though that game is supposed to take place in New York. Well, the, the Empire State Building is copyright protected. There you go. And uh, this is not... <laughs> This church, I thought the church surely well, it's would be like Russian. It's the Soviet Union, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. We already stole the game from them. All 
Alright, so let's rewind. Let's go back. Let's talk about the B-type game rather than talking about the ending. I'm glad we got that out of our systems. But the B-type game is... Uh, it's a different kind of game because you're you're not tasked with uh, like a high score necessarily, but how high you can score with 25 lines. Um, I believe this is now referred to as Sprint, but in this version, the NES version, there's noticeably no timer here. It's It's about points not speed. In modern Tetris, it's more about how fast can you clear these 25 lines. In um, in NES Tetris, it's actually like, all right, you could start at whatever level you feel like, but once you clear the 25 lines, you go on to the next level, which is noticeably harder than the previous. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play too much of this uh, because it was intimidating and all of the... Uh, I just didn't like... There was lots of blank spaces. Uh, I, I like the classic uh, game A, but... Um, it almost seems like a, uh, clean up this mess. And I, I can see how that can feel, uh, uh, what's the word? Satisfying to others. Yeah, I actually played a lot of this, um, and I was significantly worse at it than I was at the <laughs> other game, but it was very, there was just something like enticing about, about exactly what you just said, Sean. Like it, there's like this major obstacle in the way that this, the, these, bricks or whatever blocks are randomly laid out and it's like it was very satisfying when i was able to like really um make a dent in in that like that yeah there was something cathartic about it yeah it's also not a situation you would ever find yourself in in your own game of tetris you'll you'll just wind up stacking the blocks too high before you get it that messy uh you know a lot of times these are almost impossible uh, situations to recreate in in the A type game, so I kind of appreciated it from that standpoint. As like you were saying, Sean, cleaning up someone else's mess. In this, you know, there's definitely, especially in the much later levels, there's almost a uh, a futile feeling to it in the types of blocks you're receiving, where you're just building on the mess. You're making an even worse mess by attempting to clean it because the blocks that you have you know, are are stacking on top of many holes that you haven't necessarily cleared yet. So I think this is definitely the more challenging mode, no doubt about that. But it's also completely different from the A-type game in an appreciable way. It's it's not like, oh, this is the same mode, but now they've just created a mess. This is more of a, this feels more like a puzzle-solving thing than the first mode did. Yeah, and in some ways I almost thought that it was like, that that there was a solve like i don't know if they're uh giving you the blocks in the correct in, in in like a specified order and they're they're actually designed so so that there is an optimal way and I, and that may not be the case but it it gave me that feel like a more designed puzzle yeah it does it does sort of feel like that and and you know it's like the the mess you can always sort of tell where, like, your just by looking at it, where your uh, your mess stack begins. begins exactly, yeah. yeah. Or your because like theirs is so like chaotic, so it is cool to just slowly see yourself like crushing that down, and, and it makes it feel like like yeah, you found the solution to like this puzzle, even if it wasn't designed that way, like with with intent, um, it, it works that way. And both modes are very well suited to beginners and experts because there's there's a uh, a lot of choice between both speed and in the B-type mode, the kind of mess you want. You know, you get to choose the height of the blocks as well. So if you're just learning how to play Tetris, you can start right at level zero of either of these with no mess and just experiment with, with learning the different modes. But as you get better and better, the dream is to eventually like be like, no, nah, I'm just going to start at level 10 where, uh, you know, I think you definitely score more points for clearing lines. But there's a risk reward to that where like, yeah, your your points are accumulating faster. But will you actually score more points along with or will you, you know, game over first? It would be weird if the point totals didn't work with the levels, though, right? There would almost be no incentive to start later. Yeah, just like a self-defined challenge at that point. Right. So I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I know Nintendo didn't come up with these uh, executions for Tetris. But in a lot of ways, like this game, you know, was very well thought about, even if the basic concept is even so simple that anyone can understand it. The, the extra intricacies here of 
being able to see what block comes next and um, being able to choose which speed the blocks fall and the and the uh, the amount of clears required before it increases in speed. I think that's the kind of stuff that made even the very, very basic versions of Tetris, uh, you know, addicting and enjoyable. You know, you you felt the progression. In the marketing materials for Nintendo's release of uh, their version of NES Tetris, uh, they kept referring to things as Tetrisized and, you know, getting your Tetris shot. Um, just checking. Uh, am I missing something here? These words seem incredibly random. Uh, tetrisized? Is Tetris shot supposed to be like getting your tetanus shot? Um, <laughs> not, I, not sure okay, okay. what the pun is. I, I think it's just like, you know, tech exercise tech texturize like you know having your shot of tetris exercising but tetris like you're supposed to play this a little bit every day it's like working out your brain muscle like that that's this is your puzzling to keep your brain healthy i think that's what they're that's what they're going for all right but it's like a kid in a detective costume saying <laughs> in in a, like a raspy voice being like have you been tetricized? Okay then I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But I loved your guess. <laughs> have you been te- is that just mean like you've you've caught the bug? Right. Uh, like- yeah, I guess you caught the bug and now you need your tetris shot uh which is what another kid dressed like a doctor says. Uh, I'm going to link the commercial in the show notes. But Joe, you will definitely agree with me if you check the commercial out. It has a very Nickelodeon '90s vibe to it. Um, so I don't know who ripped off who. Uh, <laughs> I feel like maybe I can, I can maybe Nickelodeon it. saw yeah. this commercial and was <laughs> and like, "That's our that's, that's our, our brand. whole brand <laughs> initiative." Yeah. Welcome back to everyone that left earlier um when mike said to skip to this point yes because it is now this equals and spinoff section and let's not talk about the 1000 plus tetris games and clones uh that just continuously get released practically you know if you if you know the ios app store and stuff like that there's probably one being released every single day at this point (laughs) but let's not talk about all of those different things like we usually do in our sequels and spinoff section and let's just focus on the other versions that technically came to the NES that we can't formally review because of uh, the mission statement of the podcast, which is um, a chronological explanation of every NES game released in North America. Released in, releasing in North America requires Nintendo's blessing, which Ten, uh, Tenjin did not get. So Tetris Tenjin is the uh, unlicensed Atari version of NES Tetris. The blocks don't have little squares between them to make them look more blocky. They just kind of look like long, liquidy lines. Liquidy? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like they just look like one fluid line. Whereas in, in Nintendo's Tetris, each of the, you know, each of the, say the, the T-shaped one, right? It's four squares, four little squares that then create that shape. Um, here it's like one long continuous. So it's, it's just a T. And not four squares making a T. Exactly. Okay. And I don't know. I just it, it just doesn't look satisfying when it's laid out at the bottom because you can see each of the individual blocks that you laid down. Like you can remember, oh, that was a T. That was the that was the Z. That was the <laughs> long line. You know, it's like when you look at it on the Nintendo one, they just look like square blocks that have been placed around. And yeah, the colors are are what makes them stand out. But for the most part, otherwise. They just look like blocks that have fallen into these places, not um, yeah, I don't not like specific shapes. Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd be bummed for some reason, too, to not see, like, my solid brick wall that I've made. You know, it's like, oh, those are just all the pieces just kind of sitting still independent of each other. Right. Uh, Tenjin Tetris also has a versus mode against either a friend or a computer. So hook in player two, and now you can compete against another player or... Don't invite anybody over your house and just verse the computer. That is possible in the Tengen mode. Although I, I guess I kind of have to say with the power of Game Genie, it's also possible in Nintendo's version of Tetris. It's just not an officially supported mode because you have to type in a very weird string of characters on a Game Genie to force the option for a two-player mode. Wait, but it's like it shows two sets of Tetris fields. 
I only have the code, John. I <laughs> wish I could have. I wish I could have understood what what that meant, but okay. I don't have a game genie. Right. So um, it's uh, I, I would imagine that that's impossible, right? Like they wouldn't have a two player mode. So maybe two players can control the Tetris. <laughs> like you know, it's a, it's like technically the same field, but now both players have like, both what you want, uh, right? controllers can do what they want. Yeah, that's weird. That's but that fun. could be interesting if you if you but each player is controlling a different block. It's like you got to work together to keep the keep the uh, the wall flat. Joe, do I have a mode for you? Yes. In uh, in Tengen Tetris, there is a cooperative mode where both players stack blocks in the same field. Now, granted, two blocks come out, so it's not like you're fighting over where the block gets placed. One player has their block, and the other player has their block. How would you design that kind of field, though? Well, don't worry. Instead of it being just a rectangle that all the blocks fall into. It's now a T-shaped thing where the uh, player one's blocks fall in from the left side and then get brought into Mm. the, uh, you know, the bottom half of that T and player two comes in from the right side and has to fill in like his side or cross over into player one side if they desire. This looked like the most interesting thing that Tendron Tetris did that uh, Nintendo chose not to. I feel like that's an interesting. I mean, that's almost got like you know, like like that's literally just like an exercise in cooperation. It's not even like 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 it's like the most pure exercise of co- cooperation as far as like co-op video games go. I, I can't back that up with any like uh, <laughs> I, I don't have like the source on that, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> and Tengen Tetris also has uh, different music tracks that um, you know it, you may be fooled. You might think that they're the same tracks, but no, they're the more familiar. Uh, Tetris Jacks. Uh, unsure why Nintendo, you know, did the whole Soviet references without getting the official Tetris track, but here we are, nevertheless. Maybe that wasn't the official Tetris track at this point. Maybe it wasn't unanimous. Yeah, I guess that's. Maybe there were what many competing yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, now you don't have to answer now, and you can wait until the essential games list. But I mean, you you've played Tengen Tetris, right? I yes, correct. I played all these versions okay. that we're going to talk about. I. I want to know which one's better. You know, it is a it's a good question, and I think that you know, I think I, even just in my overview here, I listed both positives and negatives for Tengen Tetris. Right? I I really think that the the thing that I'm describing as liquidy lines was the most off putting thing. It just didn't feel like Tetris. It doesn't look like Tetris, um, and maybe it does look like the original version. I didn't play the 1984 version because, to the best of my knowledge, that's like something that only like was on floppy disks for Russian computers. Like I, I'm sure you can find YouTube videos of it, but you can't play it. Uh, so maybe that's how it was, but I prefer this more blocky look to Tetris. However, a versus mode against a friend, a cooperative mode where two players can play together to, com- to complete a field, which can also cause its own forms of chaos, as we saw with uh, you know another favorite of mine, Balloon Fight. The two-player mode actually you know has the players working together but if you're just pissed at your friend you can just pop their balloons too (laughs) which version's better i think ultimately just comes down to what you're looking for you know if you're looking for more modes tension tetris has it okay if you're looking for um you know something that feels more like something that feels closer to the tetris we know i think that that's the nintendo tetris okay thank you but there is one other version uh of tetris that was japan only it was uh, made by a company called Bulletproof, and their version of Tetris is, um, so the A button is now the drop button. Whoa. And you rotate blocks by pushing down on the D-pad. So if you know what I'm talking about here, if you can imagine that, you cannot move blocks down faster other than a hard drop. Which, for some people like me, uh, who may not be able to see alignment very well, uh, that's bad. Yes, I agree. Not only is it bad from an alignment perspective, it, it causes you to be patient in the slower modes of the game where you have to wait for the block to fall. Um, you know, it takes a lot longer for it to come down. It's especially bad if you're trying to slide blocks in. You know, if you start with a, a Z-shaped block, uh, the next thing that you're hoping for is one of those L-shaped blocks so that you can kind of Scooch Put it, it like a boot yeah. into it, yeah, and scooch it in, and so this way that that hole has been closed, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's easy in these other two Tetris games. It's really hard in this bulletproof game because you have to painfully wait until it's at the bottom and then slide it in real fast before it locks. 
Sounds like that's the worst word. <laughs> you can also select a uh, round, which basically just gives you random blocks on the screen at varying difficulties to make it more puzzle-like. However, that's not too different from the B-type game that I'm describing that we were describing earlier. So no points for originality either. Not quite a uh, Tetris game in the sense of like, well, it never came to um, America, but a game called Tetris Flash, which I think is different than these other Tetris games that we were covering, was also released on the Famicom. And it doesn't try to be like these other versions of Tetris. That's why I kind of hesitated to put it on there. But I was just shocked to find out that, uh, you know, like franchises, they start to have like, you know, uh, the equivalent of show Bibles for their <laughs> respective things where it's like, these are the things that we don't want people doing with Tetris, right? You know, and it's like, they've never like introduced new blocks or anything, but in Tetris Flash, I don't think they had like the craziest blocks I've ever seen. And I was, I was just getting perplexed. I, I started to think that they were just randomly generating where four blocks could show up. I feel like the only other way, like it, it, they wouldn't be able to have faces touching and it'd be like corners touching like right and that's exactly really? what they were doing and they were also oh. creating gaps between them so you might have like two blocks and then two spaces and then two more blocks right, that's so chaos it, it, tetris i don't like right. that i don't like it one bit but however it's called tetris flash because um if you you know stack the blocks in a correct way it creates more of a um explosion type thing that <laughs> removes blocks it's not it's not like lines anymore it's more about um exploding the blocks to remove them from screen there's an explosion physics system yeah tetris the one thing it lacked was was enough explosions <laughs> right i will tease that we are gonna get tetris 2 on the nes which just sounds insane because i've never heard of tetris 3 being released so um, it's funny that we get Tetris 1 and 2 on the NES and then just never Tetris 3 ever. Like no one – that would be the biggest E3 announcement of all time, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I think they're just – waiting for it. They're just going Chess unnumbered. 2 maybe. Yeah, Chess 2. That would yeah. be great. But <laughs> I'm sure somebody has that on Steam, right? Like there's some indie dev who made Chess 2. I'm sure it's that like five-dimensional version. Right. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, but we'll play Tetris 2. I have never even like – looked at tetris 2 because i'm not even sure what they would you know like tetris 2 implies that they they screwed around with tetris a little more than i would like them to and so i don't even know what that's going to be i can't wait to see what they change and what the rules are but um we'll wait a little bit for that version so uh stay tuned for that i suppose can't wait but there's something we do have to do this episode we don't have to do it like every episode <laughs> we do it every episode, Sean, and I think Joe knows what I'm talking about. Joe, what do we do every episode? It was essential something. Right. It was the essential games list. All right, Sean, we've been talking about Tetris for a while. What's the verdict? I mean, there's so there's so much Tetris in this world, and um, I'd say uh, that none of them are all that different from each other. Like, it's a very iterative thing, like what the next Tetris is like and uh, what what little differences that they create. Um, and I'd say that there are so many Tetrises that either feel better or look better or both or sound better, have that, have that new Tetris theme that I, you can't put this on the essential games list. Joe? So before I played this for the podcast, I try not to do this, but but because this is a game that obviously I'm aware of and, and have played, um, my brain automatically goes like, would I put that on the essential games list? And my, my initial thought was like, you know, I think if you, if, if you erase Tetris from history and then release <laughs> and it, it today, <laughs> release it today among all the games that exist now that might have been inspired by Tetris or whatever, and then play it, it doesn't stand out as something special. That's what I th thought my, my essential games vote was going to be before I played it. Once I played it, I think I was like, you know what? There is something just like, it is just like, it's the pure form of like what so many other games are trying to capture. And something about it, as someone who who doesn't love like mobile games that, that just feel like 
progress for the sake of progress. Like I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get better at this one task over and over again. Not my thing. This did suck me in and it, and it did make me rethink what I just said about like what I, I think maybe if it was released today, it would be, uh, it would stand out. That being said, I still think that I kind of agree with Sean that I don't know if it goes on the essential games list for an NES game. I think it goes, it's like an essential mobile game, an essential arcade style game, but it feels, and a lot of this might be my bias too towards this kind of game. For for me, like my tastes, this feels so repetitive that I, I do feel like after a while I get, I get tired of it or I, or. Or it's something that, like, yeah, I want to just pull out my phone during my commute and play. I don't think I need to be be wired into my to my TV to play Tetris. Um, and this all makes it sound very negative. I think this is an absolute play it, and I and I imagine that if I'm picking this up, thinking I'm not going to have a great time with it, and then having a great time with it, anyone who plays it is going to have a good time with it. I just don't think this is the version you need to play. But you'll but you'll enjoy it if you do. So not essential. All right. <laughs> Yeah, not essential, and that means it can't be on the essential games list because we need the majority. Uh, I will add, I feel like games like this, or even not even necessarily the Nintendo version of Tetris, but these OG versions of Tetris, um, you know, because, again, it started as like a Russian computer game. I don't even know if like how many people have actually played the original, original version of Tetris, but this is one of the earlier ones. Tetris is a lot like Pong. You have to respect it, and understand the art of being able to um, create a game that so many people got addicted to and, you know, um, continues to get iterated on even today. Without Tetris, there are no Tetris variants. But that doesn't mean that being first is the equivalent to being best. I think many other versions of Tetris that I have played on a variety of different consoles and, you know, different uh, points in my life were built better using the same blocks and the same rules that you find in this game. And so something about uh, the, you know, maybe the, the stickiness or maybe the, the way that the, uh, the controls of the blocks felt, I didn't enjoy this version of Tetris even as much as, as the other versions, but I definitely noticed myself remembering all of the quality of life improvements in later versions, and that held this back for me. So it won't be an essential vote for me either. Um, I think it's really cool as a um, as a starting point and as a, a history piece, right? But it doesn't quite do enough to be with the rest of the games that are on the essential games list. And if I and, could just uh, add, yeah, go ahead. Um, and I know that there are other genres that we we talked like. I remember when we were like, "Oh, a sports game would it, it just can't be essential because we have better sports games," but. Tech Mobile is on the essential games list because, like, that is a very specific experience of football. And this, while it is Tetris, and it, it it's almost essentially the same game that we play now, it, it is just essentially the same game, only worse in a couple ways. So, like, that that's why um, something like a sports game can get on the essential games list, but something like this maybe can't right i'm just thinking like when you have tetris the grandmaster tetris connected tetris with friends tetris 99 like those are all like arguably insane things for like the people who own the tetris brand to continue to come up with amazing new ways to spin off tetris and mostly keep the same exact rule set but find ways to make it um more fun than ever before like that's the actual accomplishment of the tetris brand and uh and tetris in general what's the trippy is one that, yeah oh, uh connected that's connected okay yeah that's the uh it's made by the guy i think who made res and um yeah music based dig it yeah very cool uh next week we'll have a game called to the earth uh should i say it like that like as if that's where they're going like to the earth uh I don't know what the uh, what the point of this game is, but we're going to find out in the episode, obviously. I'm going to say, when you have a name like that, maybe it's a shmup? Um, I think it's, like, civilization, but you're, you're an alien <laughs> colonizing the Earth. Right, so you're saying, to the Earth, to take over... Um, to kill all humans, yes. Yeah. See, I, when, you, when you say it, to, to the Earth like that, like, to the Earth, 
that gives me a totally different vibe than the way I was kind of imagining it, which is just like this, like poetic, like to the earth, like it's like a, like a like a grand journey to the earth, and we're gonna get there. Right to to the earth could be like an RPG. Yeah, you're thinking of yeah. to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> right to the moon, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, to Joe's point, to the earth could be like some kind of. Um, you know, I'm saying this obviously because it has Earth in the title as well, but some Earthbound style game that is just a very, very quirky, weird, um, little adventure in suburban America. Or it's a mistranslation of just the Earth Two. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I like the that. Yeah. That sounds like a sounds like a Peter Molyneux game. <laughs> yeah, the Earth Two. It Same might be Earth. the two Earths. Whoa. Uh, next week, we also have a Nostalgia Bites episode coming. So if you're not a patron, uh, or, you know, first off, if you are a patron, you're getting that episode. If you're not a patron, bad news, you just found out you're not getting that episode. The way to get that episode, obviously, is patreon.com slash nostalgia. $5 a month, you get access to all the old episodes, too, including a bunch of fun bonus content and our Discord channel. But you also get access to our next Nostalgia Bites episode, which is Pac-Land. For so long on Nostalgia Bites, we've been talking about Pac-Man, and now it's time to find out where the heck that guy lives. 